This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. And tonight we are recapping week seven of the NFL Slate 2021. But first, a few housekeeping notes. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload2020, and you can now find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm. Finally, please follow, rate, and review the show on whichever podcast platform you have so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. All right, let's get right into the review of this weekend's games. We are still recording this before Monday Night Football, which kicks off in a few minutes. This is Monday, October 25th, 2021. And after Thursday night's game and all of the Sunday games, what were your big impressions coming out of the weekend? It's very rare, I guess, that the Thursday night game is the best game of the week. You know, I guess I'm going to touch on it a little bit later, but I feel like it was a kind of dud week for games. A lot of, a lot of blowouts, a lot of games that weren't, weren't even close. Uh, a listless Browns team that's completely beat up and can't really do much on offense that wins 17 to 14 over probably a bad Denver team being our best game of the week is indicative of exactly what we had. I think the second best game we had might've been maybe like Washington green Bay or watching the Bengals absolutely destroy the Ravens, or maybe you liked uh, the Lions somehow keeping it within, what was that? Nine points at the end of the game, something like that, maybe 11. I I don't even remember. It, It just, it was not necessarily a great weekend of football. I don't expect tonight to be a terribly lot better when you have Jameis Winston against Geno Smith. So we'll move right into the news. First up, both Miles Sanders and Deami Brown left yesterday's games with ankle and in- knee injuries, respectively. How does that affect anything going forward? I feel like Miles Sanders obviously is a bigger name between the two, although Diami Brown is kind of somebody that if you have, he's someone to hold on to because I do think there is pretty good stuff looking in his future. But Miles Sanders, I guess, one, the Eagles haven't really got him going all year long. So that's got to be frustrating. And then on top of that, to be dealing with the ankle injury, yeah, it's not really great. So as fantasy owner that has Miles Sanders, you probably haven't been getting all that much. So you're really not losing a great deal, but it's still pretty frustrating because you expect big things out of Miles Sanders. I would have expected a little bit more yesterday, given that Miles Sanders left a lot earlier in that game than we were anticipating. And Kenneth Gainwell has been primarily the passing down back, but they really did not check the ball down. And Jalen Hurts runs too much for him to be a huge factor in their uh, passing run game, check down game, kind of like a JD McKissick, but more talented. So I don't know what his overall fantasy value is this year, although you'd like to see him at least show some opportunity and some talent. Similarly for Deami Brown, uh, the talent might be there. I just don't know if he's in the right system. He's always going to be behind Terry McLaurin. And right now, Washington has not had a quarterback since, what, Jason Campbell? I mean, they're, they're going on some really bad – excuse me, I shouldn't That's do Kirk Cousins like that. That's a great name drop. That's a great name drop, by the way. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but that's, that's the kind of quarterbacks we've been talking about. I mean, they're the franchise that won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. Josh Jacobs also left yesterday's game early with a chest injury. It gave way to another big game for Kenyon Drake. Uh, is this worth monitoring? Yeah, I mean, for sure. But as somebody that, you know, we have been expecting kind of big things out of Kenyon Drake the last couple of years. So this is really an opportunity for him to step up. And I feel like he has been in these spurts that he has while Josh Jacob has been dealing with this. Uh, is it time to maybe sell on Josh Jacobs or is the value return for something on a dynasty level, not high enough to try and get him out on the open market? See, that's crazy because, you know, I never have really thought about that until right now. Josh Jacobs was a huge name coming out of the draft. I feel like I had him as my number one running back the year he was coming out. And he um, was good after his rookie season. So yeah, he was like very, very was good. Terrible. Like he was, he was doing very, very well. 
it is really, really, that's a great question. Cause like I said, I haven't really thought about it until now, but what are you going to get for him? I guess is, is the question. Like, would well, you trade a, would you trade a second round pick for him? Maybe. I'm talking like a middle, middle second. Would you trade? Like he's, he's plenty talented, but being a workhorse back, I, I just, he's so injury prone. He never took on a serious load of carries, even in college. And he's kind of got this label on it. I don't know if I'd even give up a second round at this point to get him. And the question is going to be, how is he going to fit into another system when likely this coaching staff is probably going to be gone unless they somehow like win a couple of playoff games, which is possible. I mean, this team, I don't know. They surprise me all the time this season, but they have been winning with this coaching staff right now. And I don't even think they have to win playoff games. I don't even think they have to make the playoffs. I think they just need to keep, they've, they've surprised me as well. I think they just need to keep doing what they're doing, play very good football. And I honestly think that, um, what's to say, Mark Davis will keep them around. Well, and it's very possible. They're leading their division right now. Their two losses are against the Chargers on Monday night football against uh, the Chargers. And uh, I think, what was the other one that they lost? Oh, to the Bears and that weird game. And that was right when John Gruden, all the stuff started happening that weekend. So who's to say what this team really is? And I don't think they're afraid to play the Chiefs the two times they have them yet or play the Broncos again. I think this team, now that it started like crushing some bad teams, has some swagger about it. And they have a lot of talent on the team. I Going forward, who knows what that team's going to be, but... I, all I know is, is Josh Jacobs is probably not going to get a second contract with the Raiders and Kenyon Drake just got paid by the Raiders for like two years. So I, I see the carry split being a little bit more even going forward and his injury prone has really got me questioning what his true value is going to be, but he would be a potentially buy low candidate because we know the talents there when he's actually on the field. All right, Michael Gallup is designated to return from IR. How do you think he fits into the Dallas offense going forward? And he's someone that's super talented, right? Like you got to imagine that he'd be a number one and number two wide receiver on any other team besides Dallas. It's just that wide receiver room is so crowded. And now with the emergence of Dalton Schultz, you kind of got to wonder how many targets are really left there for him. I think as a Michael Gallup owner, you hold on to him hoping that something kind of changes in this off season because I feel like this is a contract year for him, right? It might be. I don't remember I exactly it when, it all, when all of those are coming up, but Dallas is going to have to cut salary. And right now I would say that uh, they're, they have too many receivers and too many running backs being paid too highly for them to continue, especially since if they can hold on to, Oh, why am I, forgetting the the offensive coordinator's name. I used to love watching him as the Kellen Clemens. Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. Yeah. Oh, damn. Why did I say Kellen Clemens? Who the hell is Kellen Clemens? Uh, I think he was a backup quarterback for the Jets for a while that played. (laughs) uh, Yeah, yeah. you're right. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, it's just one of those carousel of Jets quarterbacks, but uh, great. We've got a show title (laughs) for, for the week. Anyway, the point being that Kellen Moore, I would not be shocked if he ends up getting a coaching position yeah, out of this. Absolutely. Uh, he will. He's been an excellent play caller and we thought it was just, he could run the, t- the uptempo that he could throw the ball around, but people forget his dad was a coach and he used to be kind of like a coach quarterback when he was at Boise state. And I really loved him. I thought I, or uh, I was kind of too low on his prospects coming out into the NFL and it may just have been a talent thing, but he's always had the mind for it. And now we're seeing it. And I think he could be the next kind of like McVay Maybe not the same energy or swagger, but kind of that young, brash uh, coach with a lot of offensive prowess for somebody. If they can seem to take care of him in the offseason, I think the sky's the limit for what that Cowboys offense can do, even without some of their more talented players, because they're going to have C.D. Lamb. The question is, at least for this season and the one I posed then, how many three wide receiver sets and 11 personnel are they going to be running? when they've been very run heavy so far this year, save for the Tampa Bay game that we started out with and how many two tight end sets they've been running. I I don't know. They may swap out personnel, but I just don't see them throwing the ball as much as they did last year when, yeah, you could support three fantasy relevant wide receivers. 
I would not be shocked if he comes back for this game in order to prove that he's healthy and he gets traded before next week's deadline, or for that matter, Amari Cooper does. Because I think that Dallas needs to move somebody in order to make a run uh, at being under the payroll. Now, that being said, they're probably going to win their division by Thanksgiving. So I don't know what their thinking is going to be, but I I just don't know. I I don't think, even though he's a talented player, that they're going to be able to support C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup all as fantasy relevant with how much running of the football they're doing right now. That was a really long way to say that. I should have just kind of gotten to the point quicker. Uh, Chandler (laughs) Jones is back from the COVID list for Thursday night football this week, just in time for the Packers to be without their defensive coordinator and star wide receiver, Joe Barry and Devontae Adams. Uh, How is this going to affect your viewing on Thursday night? Oh man, I already didn't feel great about it because watching Tyler Haneke run his ass all over the Packer defense and then knowing that Kyler was um, going to be playing against the same defense next week. Um, and then the news of having uh, Devonte Adams up going against with my rematch with uh, Dana and his stupid face. Yeah, that was pretty upsetting as well. So he has a stupid ass and a stupid face. <laughs> Got it. All right. Now, for me, oddly enough, the Packers actually do a better job of spreading the football around when Devonte Adams is not there basically blocking out the sun. I would not be shocked if they somehow found a way to win this game. That being said, I am dreading trying to play with it because it's going to go one of two ways. Either they're going to be really competitive, be in this game, make a go of it, or they're going to be out of it by the end of the first half. And I don't know which one it's going to be. The rumors are that both Bakhtiari and uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling could play in this game and that the Cardinals, after having their own COVID scare two weeks ago against the Browns, are going to be getting guys back. But who knows what you're going to have? I I really don't for this Thursday night. I'm just looking forward to it because it may be one of the better games of the entire weekend. All right. Matt Nagy tests positive for COVID. Will the Bears miss him at all? No. They're, they're not going to know he was there at all. Maybe they'll probably enjoy it. You know, Honestly, kind of Bill Lazer's calling the plays, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, you know those days when you're at work and you know you're competent enough to do your job and your boss isn't there, you kind of just feel better, right? I think Especially if they're a micromanager. Yeah, yeah, exactly. for sure. All right, Tyrod Taylor expected to practice this week. Does this mean the Texans might actually have a chance to win another game? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Short and sweet. I mean, who was their quarterback while he was out? I Davis don't Mills. Know. I mean, he did have that one huge game against he the did Patriots, okay. but yeah. I, I, mean, I think he might end up developing into a serviceable backup somewhere, or you know, maybe even a run of the mill starter. I don't think he's gonna be Kirk Cousins, but he could be Case Keenum. I, I think that's a fitting role for him. Last one I have Nick Chubb expected in practice this weekend to play next weekend against the Steelers. I assume this means that Dearness Johnson's value is going to plummet for you. For me, for you. Well, I mean, I have him, but like in your rankings or whatever. You oh, want. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, for Which sure. Think we I all meant. knew that. <laughs> I mean, we all knew that. It's kind of, as a Herbert owner, you got to be, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but you got to kind of be wondering the same thing when Montgomery comes back or how much that's going to affect that. But yeah, absolutely. Once Nick Chubb is back and then absolutely for sure. Once Kareem Hunt is back as well, pretty much value goes to nothing. I don't know if it's completely back to nothing until uh, both Hunt and Chubb are back just because this offense is or uh, supported two fantasy relevant running backs to this point in the season. They still have a great offensive line and we don't know if Baker Mayfield's even going to play this week. So they may have to run the football against the Steelers. The way to beat the Steelers has been through the air, but I just don't know if they're going to have the quarterbacking prowess in order to get it done. For me, he's still a little bit relevant, but it's not nearly as much as he was this last week going against Denver. Final thing, and I I know I already said final thing, but I forgot to put it on the outline. Trade deadline for the NFL is a week from, I think, tomorrow. Uh, Any big trades that you want to predict ahead of time? Man, you put me on the spot. That's tough. I think Deshaun Watson gets moved. I think there's been way too much in the press for that not to be a thing. And I think there'll be a rush of people to try and pick him up. Yeah. I see Deshaun Watson being moved. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, Any other big names though, I guess 
not really at the top of my head. Zach Ertz was one that had been rumored for a while, but obviously he's now moved. So I, I can't see any other big names, kind of like what uh, the Packers were rumored about with Will Fuller last year. But I, I don't see too many guys getting moved. I just see a lot of rumors being floated this weekend by the Tom Pelissero's, yeah. the oh, who's I've the heard, giant wrestler like dude on Fox? I've heard Glazer, but I have yeah, heard Will Trevor. Fuller and Brandon Cooks. You know, those yeah, are two names that are, I've heard too. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. I, I do think there'll be a surprise one. I mean, Joe Flacco just got traded to the Jets, if you want to say that's a relevant trade, but good for him. <laughs> All right. Big trends coming out of the weekend. Are the Chiefs gonna recover anytime soon? I think they are capable of recovering, but do you remember um, when Aaron Rodgers was really, really feeling himself and then he's just started doing some really weird things, you know, like he'd roll out of the pocket when you wouldn't hold on to the ball a little bit too long to try to look for something bigger when instead of taking the guaranteed play. I think that's where Patrick Mahomes is right now. I really, really do. I feel like he's just been feeling himself. Everything has been going so great. You know, as much as you don't want to act like you hear everything on the outside, eventually you do. I mean, you know how good you are. You signed a contract that basically told you how good you are. And I think that's kind of where the Chiefs are at right now. Their defense is terrible. Their offense has been dealing with more injuries than they'd like to admit that is affecting them. And I kind of just feel like they're still or they feel like they go out onto the field and they're just supposed to automatically win or that's where Patrick Mahomes is right now. So I guess if they kind of look inward, yeah, absolutely. I think they're good enough to recover, but will they recover is, you know, a good, a better question. Man, I don't know. They got their ass kicked this past weekend. And none of us saw that coming at all. When your offensive line is bad, your defense is even worse. And you can't get the ball regularly in uh, space to either of your biggest playmakers and you're the Super Bowl loser with the Madden curse on your quarterback. And he just had to clear concussion protocol. It's not a recipe for good success. I don't know if the chiefs are going to somehow pull a rabbit out of their hat and make the playoffs, but it looks pretty dire right now. Then uh, my next thought are the Titans, Bengals, Patriots, and Colts for real now. I mean, I think the Colts are a very good football team. I think they were dealing with a lot of injuries. I think the Bengals are a very good football team. I think that offense is incredible, and that defense is very, very serviceable. The Patriots, I think they have a very good coaching staff. I think eventually they, they'll kind of die out. But I do think that the Colts, when healthy, are a very good football team. I think the Bengals are a very good football team. And the Titans, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm there with them yet, and – Maybe it's because they're just not flashy enough for me <laughs> as a wide receiver. Their offense is just kind of blah. But yeah, I think for sure two out of the four, I'm for sure there with. Yeah, I, I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast from last night and uh, Cousin Sal or whatever was talking about uh, the Titans and uh, that troll job uh, that he has to work with on his betting show that I'm not even going to mention, uh, whose initials are CT but he was trying to talk up the Titans and he just said, what was it? A few words. You lost to the jets. <laughs> I, it's hard to take you seriously when you lost yep. to the jets. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just don't have them figured out yet. I think this is a deciding division game, the Colts and Titans this weekend. I think since both of them have gotten a lot better in the last two weeks, I know the Titans blew them out a couple of weeks ago, but I think this game being in Indianapolis and both quarterbacks playing better, both offenses are healthier, that this may be an an exceptional football game. So I'm curious to see how that one will work out. But uh, it it remains to be seen yet. I I don't know. The Bengals, for me, are definitely for real. I think the Colts have gotten better enough to threaten for a playoff spot. The Patriots hanging that much on the Jets is kind of expected when the Patriots play the Jets. But they've been in ball games with uh, Dallas and uh, Tampa Bay recently. So I don't think they're a terrible team. I think Mac Jones clearly is the best of the rookie class so far. And they could sneak their way into the playoffs. But depth-wise, the AFC is better than the NFC. But uh, top you know, four or five teams, I don't know if they're better than anybody in the NFC right now. Because I think the NFC is really top-heavy with those like top five teams. Tampa Bay, Dallas, Green Bay, 
Arizona and St. Or excuse me, I was about to say St. Louis, the Rams. But after that, I don't know. Like, because right now, if the playoffs started today, I think the Falcons and the Vikings would be vying for playoff spots. You really going to tell me they're better than any of these four teams? I think some of the games that we did have were statement games. And you and I mentioned it, and you were texting me yesterday about the whole Bengals thing. If the Bengals figured out a way to win, it was going to be a statement that they were for real. Not only did they make a statement, they made a resounding, we're coming through your door. So I, I think they're definitely for real at this point. Finally, who is going to be the number one seed in the NFC? It's a great question. I think it is really down between three teams, the Packers, the Cardinals, and the Buccaneers. The Cardinals look really good. They really, really do. Packers, I feel like, especially with this week, I don't see them winning, especially with Devontae Adams out. I'm just, I don't think I can get myself there. For some reason, I do think that the Buccaneers are going to end up being the number one seed. I just, you know, year two in that offense, they've, they're comfortable. They've got it all figured out. I can see them cruising to a number one seed, but that doesn't necessarily mean I have them making their way to the Super Bowl. I'm trying to remember. I think, oh, so they've got to play the Jets yet. I think they've got to play the Bills. So that's a potential loss. But realistically, other than the two Saints games, I can't see Tampa Bay really losing against anybody going forward. I think they have the clearest path, and they're clearly in ownership of their division right now. Tom Brady's playing elite, and I don't see too many teams being able to throw the ball enough and stop enough of their offense to basically beat them at their own game because they just aren't playing the Dallas's, the Arizona's, the St. Louis, or I did it again. The Damn, Green Bay's. Again. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so to me, they're probably the lock to be the number one, but that being said, I think Dallas has got a good shot at the number two. And Oh, how did I forget about Dallas? Yeah. They're up in there too. They're in that conversation. Well, It's just that their division is so poor and based off of where they finished last year, their division or excuse me, not their division, but their schedule should be simpler. So I, I don't know. I would say that is probably between those two teams. And we're still not saying Arizona, even though the NFC West isn't as tough as we thought it would be. But I don't know. It's, it's tough to say. All right, then let's get to the top tens for the week. Quarterback, number one, Joe Burrow. Number two, Matt Stafford. Three, Tua Tagovailoa, who may be out of a job by next week. Four, Mac Jones, five, Aaron Rodgers, six, Kyler Murray, seven, Matt Ryan, eight, Tom Brady, who threw his 600th touchdown pass, nine, Jalen Hurts, and 10, Tyler Heineke, with 95 rushing yards against that great Packer defense that we were talking about. Uh, At running back, we had number one was DeAndre Swift, two, Damian Harris, both on Dana's teams, three, Dearness Johnson, four, Eli Mitchell, Five, Jonathan Taylor. Six, Khalil Herbert. Seven, Samaji Pirine. Surprisingly, even though uh, Joe Mixon got the majority of the carries in that game. Seven, Brandon Bolden. Eight, Leonard Fournette. And ten, uh, excuse me. Did I forget one? No, I think nine was supposed to be Leonard Fournette. Ten is Miles Gaskin. Anyway, uh, number one for wide receiver with over 200 yards receiving in his game, Jamar Chase. Number two, Cooper Cup. Three, Mike Evans. Four, Terry McLaurin. Five, A.J. Brown. Six, Chris Godwin. Seven, Michael Pittman Jr. Eight, Debo Samuel. Uh, nine, Russell Gage. And ten, surprisingly enough, Khalif Raymond. Who would have thought of that? Uh, number one at tight end, we had C.J. Uzama. Two, Kyle Pitts. Three, Mike Gusecki. Four, Zach Ertz in his new digs with the Arizona Cardinals. Five, Foster Moreau. Six, Robert Tanyan, seven, Dallas Goddard, eight, Mo Alley Cox, nine, Travis Kelsey, and 10, uh, I can't even remember his first name, Pruitt for the Titans. All right. Yeah, I know that's how bad tight end's been this year. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. For me, the good, very easy. Jamar Chase, he is easily going to eclipse Justin Jefferson's record numbers from last year at this pace. He is an absolute stud, and I would say he is the number one fantasy commodity in dynasty formats right now. That's a good one. That's a good one. My good, I'm going to go with Michael Pittman as a dude that has been on that Michael Pittman bandwagon for quite some time. It's kind of good to, or 
you know, it's very good to see him flourish. Unfortunately, I did have to play him this week and he made the game a little closer than it needs to be. So we will see, but you know, it's just really um, fun to see guys that you were rooting for and that you kind of put a stake in the ground very hard for to succeed. And I think as that Colts keep, team is getting healthier there's only going to be more and better things for michael pittman so my good is michael pittman my bad which ravens team is going to show up we had the one that didn't show up for the first half against the baltimore the baltimore Colts. good god the indianapolis colts <laughs> two weeks ago on monday night i i don't know why i'm doing this i mean this is just terrible <laughs> what the hell they have been the baltimore, baltimore since colts? 1983 what like <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, this is this is a bad moment for me. Uh, last week, they absolutely crushed the Chargers. And then this week, they get blown out by Cincinnati, who was supposed to be the bottom feeder of that division. I, I don't know which team is going to show up on a weekly basis. I don't think they're as bad as what they just witnessed or what we witnessed from them yesterday. But I also don't think they're as good as two weeks ago when they crushed the Chargers. I have no idea what to think about this team. It's a week-to-week thing, but... Which team is going to show up? Uh, my bad is the slate of games this weekend. I mean, I touched on it earlier. It was just terrible. Not very good. Not very fun football to watch. I am glad. What did you call it this bye week? Uh, bye, bye, bye. But some people have both called it bye Mageddon. Yeah, bye Mageddon, whatever. But I'm glad it's over. Yeah, six teams is the most on bye in a single week this entire season. Uh, and they all happen to be relevant teams at the same time. For my ugly, I think it's an obvious Kansas City. Yep. I've been relying on Patrick Mahomes to basically carry my team at points this year. And this is the first time that he finished outside of the top 10 in fantasy points at the quarterback position. I don't think he's finished much outside the top five for most of these weeks. And yet putting up three points against a really bad Titans defense that was starting like seven guys completely off the street. I, I don't know. It, it doesn't make any sense to me that they scored three points. Uh, They were absolutely ugly yesterday, and you would like to think that they're only going to get better next week, but the Giants actually played really well against Carolina, and that might be our Monday night game, and that might be the final nail in the coffin of the Chiefs season at that point if they lose to the Giants next week. Yeah, I mean, everything you said, my ugly is the Kansas City Chiefs as well. I won't take up too much time, but just absolutely terrible from start to finish. There's going to be a lot of soul searching in that locker room. So we'll see how they bounce back. But yeah, Kansas city was terrible this weekend. All right, let's get to something or nothing. Uh, First one up, Michael Carter taking over the jets backfield with 104 total scrimmage yards, something or nothing. I do think it is something, you know, he's a rookie coming in. Obviously they like to slow play the rookies a little bit and midway through the season, his touches have been getting more and more. So yeah, I do think that is something from the great University of North Carolina. Go Heels. <laughs> so Cordell Patterson taking over the Falcons' backfield. Mike Davis only had four rushes, something or nothing. I think it's absolutely something. I think going forward, he is the uh, number one back, which is weird given where we thought Mike Davis was going to be coming into the season. But at this point, Mike Davis might be cuttable. I, I just don't see him recovering Whatever this team is supposed to be, they brought him in to be the Derrick Henry of the system, and he's been been anything but. The fact that they're starting a converted wide receiver as their primary back is very telling of where this Falcon season has gone so far. I think they're the number one running back uh, needy team for next year. They've got offensive personnel, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts. I mean, they're probably going to have Patterson again. Hayden Hurst is on that team. They've got guys around the offense. And I don't know if they're going to keep Matt Ryan, so maybe they'll be drafting quarterback, but pair him with a good running back coming out of next year might be some place to look for fantasy value in the draft for dynasty leagues. Uh, from that same game, Kyle Pitts, seven catches, 163 yards on eight targets, something or nothing. I mean, I said it a couple of weeks ago. Why would you draft somebody that high if you're not going to use him? And there ain't that many great options on that offense anyway, besides Cordell Patterson, but like, you know, Calvin Ridley was dealing with the injuries. I just, I don't understand why he wasn't more involved in the offense before. So hopefully this is most definitely something. I'm still absolutely puzzled on why Calvin Ridley has basically gone the way of a low grade Brandon Ayuk that's still on the field. 
But Kyle Pitts has become the number one target, and he looks a lot like Julio Jones, but can line up in line. I, I think this is absolutely something. TJ Hawkinson, uh, six catches for 48 yards on nine targets, something or nothing. I hope it's something. I've been waiting on him all season, but it I don't know. Jared Goff is clearly terrible, and he had the premier matchup that he wanted playing against his old team. You would think that they would do a little bit better. I'm glad that he got targeted a lot. I'm glad that he got a lot of catches, but it wasn't deep downfield, and I just don't think that he's with a talented enough passer to take advantage of what that offensive system is right now. For me, there's only one great fantasy asset, and I know Khalif Raymond ended up in the top 10 of wide receivers this week, but I I think it's DeAndre Swift, and that's about it. Uh, Speaking of DeAndre Swift, eight catches, 96 yards, a touchdown, including a long 60, like two 63 yarder early on in the game on 10 total targets, something or nothing. He's the best player on that offense. Quite simply, just feed him the football any way you can on the ground through the air. Just get him the football. So, yeah, something. He is the number one receiving and rushing player on that team. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's a fact. It's not even yeah. a matter of opinion. It, yeah. He is quite clearly the do everything for that team. I think he cemented running back one status. Uh, Khalil Herbert. Uh, let's see. He had 18 carries for 100 yards, five catches for 33 yards, something or nothing. Damian Williams only had three rushes. I think it's absolutely something. I think he cemented himself as the backup running back. And I actually think that he'll take away certain touches from David Montgomery, even after he comes back. I think that the Bears have a good problem to have by having two very talented players, and you love the running back by committee for most teams right now going forward. So I think this becomes a little bit more of a committee even after David Montgomery comes back because we said he was in a terrible matchup this week with Tampa, and he still put up points. I think he's an effective runner. I think he's in a good enough offense, and eventually Justin Fields is going to start putting it together when they finally fire Matt Nagy's ass, maybe with this COVID thing, they'll just tell him to stay home for the rest of the season. I don't know, but I think this is definitely something. Michael Pittman Jr., you already mentioned him before as good, but four catches, 105 yards and a touchdown, four out of the last six weeks in double digits, and three out of those at least 19 or more points, something or nothing. Yeah, I touched on it a lot earlier, so I'll make this one short and sweet. I feel like you just got to keep getting him the football. He's obviously not the best player on that offense. You got Jonathan Taylor, but I do think he is the best pass catcher in that offense. You got to find ways to get him the football. So most definitely this is something the Colts are getting healthier. So look out for the Colts. I think they're getting more explosive too. So I I think as a wide receiver one, he's guy to keep an eye on. Uh, Hunter Henry, he scored for the fourth straight week, something or nothing. It's something because it's a tight end who you can count on to fall into the end zone. Let, let, let's just keep it moving. I mean, that that's literally all it is. And every time we go to these on our preview episodes on Thursdays, we're always talking about who's got the greatest chance to fall in the It's apparently Hunter Henry. Brandon Bolden, six catches, 79 yards on seven targets from the running back position for the Patriots. Something or nothing. You know, I'm actually going to ask you this question because I did not see any of that game. I didn't really either, but they needed somebody to fill in that role. And Mac Jones has been playing well. Their schedule will dictate. Honestly, it's no worse than playing a JD McKissick. You got to have somebody to do something with. So why not him? Yeah. Alan Lazard, he had five catches for 60 yards, a touchdown on six targets. And this is the second week he scored something or nothing. As I said earlier with the Devontae Adams, he's almost assuredly being out for Thursday night. I have no great knowledge of what the Packers are going to do on offense. Primarily it's been Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones dump offs and then hit Devonte Adams for a big, big play this year for the Packers. I think this is going to require them to spread the ball out more. Robert Tanyan, uh, Alan Lazard, Alan Lazard was the deputized guy last year when they had both Marquez Valdez Scantling and uh, Devonte Adams out for a couple of weeks. So I could see him actually playing very well against the Cardinals on uh, Thursday night. I uh, think this is a little bit of something, at least for the short term. Robert Tanyan also, who I just mentioned, four targets, 63 yards, a touchdown on, uh, excuse me, four catches, 63 yards, a touchdown on five targets, something or nothing. I think it's something for next week, you know, with Devontae Adams being out. 
but I do think it's going to be a roller coaster of a type of a season for him. Like it has been, he obviously hasn't had as many touchdowns as he had last year. And that's kind of where he made all his money. So yeah, it'll be something for next week. But after that, I would kind of temper expectations. I'm in the same boat. Eli Mitchell. He had 18 carries for 107 yards and a touchdown, something or nothing. I think it's something. Yes, he was playing a decent matchup, but that game was kind of ugly and it was in the rain. And you'd like to think that the San Francisco 49ers are at least going to be able to run the football at some point this year. He's been effective when he's been in the game and can take a uh, high volume of carries over 100 yards and a touchdown. Good for him on the ground. I think it's an absolute something, at least going forward, especially with the 49ers having one of the weakest schedules during the playoffs this year. Uh, I won't ask you the Foster Moreau question. I'll just take that one myself. Six catches, 60 yards, a touchdown on six total targets. With If Darren Waller is out, I think there's a clearly deputized guy, and it's Foster Moreau. So I think this is only something for the, from the standpoint that there's another tight end in the Raiders offense that you can fill in if, for whatever reason, Darren Waller is hurt. Uh, Kenyon Drake, 14 carries, 69 yards, and a touchdown three catches on 10 or for 10 yards on three targets, second straight decent week for him. The first week was with Jess Jacobs still in the lineup. This one was without something or nothing. I do think it is something, you know, if you are being productive, they're going to find a way to get you the football, whether you're the backup or whether you're not. And he's found a way to be productive He's always been a Swiss army knife type of a running back, someone that can do a little bit of everything. And with Josh Jacobs injury history and with as inconsistent as he's been all year long. Yeah, absolutely. I do think this is something. Also with a new play caller, they can occasionally um, see benefits for different guys that they like more. Jalen Waddle, seven catches, 83 yards on eight targets, something or nothing. He was my preseason pick. Well, it's been more weeks than that. Like he's seen a high volume of targets in this offense and Tua clearly likes him. I also think that uh, as we're going to have on the next topic, there are multiple pass catching receivers that are going to do well in this offense. And I don't think Tua looked nearly as bad. Yeah. He's going to have some bad interceptions. Yeah. He's going to have some bad moments, but realistically, this is still kind of like his rookie season. He hasn't started an entire uh, set of NFL games for an entire season yet. And yeah, he's not Joe Burrow. Yeah, he's not Justin Herbert, but he's at least somebody capable of getting the football out. He had four touchdowns yesterday in a good matchup. I think that Jalen Waddell going forward is a thing and will continue to be because he's got the talent there. Uh, That's why I picked him to lead the rookies in wide, or excuse me, rookie receivers in receiving this season. Although uh, Jamar Chase is going to absolutely blow that one out of the water. Mike Gusecki. Seven catches, 85 yards, one touchdown on eight targets. Is he a top five tight end for the rest of the season? You know, the the top five the rest of the season, that's where you're getting me. And I don't think he's top five the rest of the season. But I did think that he could have a lot of pretty decent games. I think him and Tua have a pretty good chemistry together. They seem to like each other a lot. I don't know if you've ever seen them on social media and Twitter and stuff. Um but I feel like he's going to be a roller coaster type of a guy. Um, so if you can ride that wave, then yeah, most definitely. But I think that's a l- asking a little too much for him to be top five the rest of the way. The rest of the way. I don't think so. His volume has been clear for the last I don't know how many weeks. Jacoby Brissett and Tua have both gotten him the football. They're going to have decent matchups coming up, and with Kittle being on the shelf for a few weeks yet. You don't know what's going to happen with Dawson Knox. Uh, We don't know whether the Cowboys Dalton Schultz thing is still going to be a thing a few weeks from now. I mean, he's been a top five tight end, right? You got Grunt coming back. You got Grunt coming back. Okay. Just now this week dropped out of the top 12. Just now this week. I I just think the volume is too high for him not to be because right now I'd rather have Mike Gusecki than I would maybe even um, TJ Hawkinson there though. TJ Hawkinson, you got to for sure have over Gasecki. I don't right now. Not for the rest of the season. Okay. Not with Jared Goff as the quarterback. You got Mark Andrews, right? Yes. I have Andrews. I have Kelsey. I have Waller, although Gronk. I don't know how long he's going to be out. I don't have Gronk above Gronk. Gasecki. Crazy. Thank you, Cray, man. Yeah, you've always had. Hollywood Brown. 
He had uh, five catches for 80 yards, one touchdown on 14 targets. Uh, then you had Mark Andrews for three catches, 48 yards on seven targets. And then you, here you go. Rashad Bateman, three catches for 80 yards on six targets. Somebody that I talked about last week. Something or nothing, the passing game, though, that the Ravens have. Can they sustain three relevant pass catchers on a Ravens team with Lamar Jackson at quarterback doing his thing? I don't know. Like, we didn't see it this week. There have been weeks that it's been better than others. But I think two of these three guys are going to pop off every single week. And the fact that Hollywood Brown got 14 targets. Yeah, you only caught five of them. But still, the volume is there. He's always going to get you or at least have the threat of getting that one big play per week. I think he's the number one. And then it's a fight for whether Bateman will take away enough touches uh, from Andrews or if Andrews is still going to be a top three tight end as he has been so far this season. I still think this is something because the Ravens have had to pass more, but I don't know what the prospects are going to be. I still need a couple of weeks when the Ravens are more normal as opposed to up and down in order for me to make a true evaluation of what that team is going forward. That's, I disagree with you a little bit because when the Ravens are playing Baltimore Raven football, it is not passing the ball that much. They want to run the ball more than anything. So I don't know. I mean, they had to climb from behind. There was a lot of garbage time in this game. I think the stats are a little skewed, but I just, I don't know if they can support three guys and I don't know if they can support two either, like maybe one and a half, but I don't know with that running game, like next year, like fast forward to next year, if you got a healthy JK Dobbins where he's doing his thing as well, I don't know. That may be asking a little bit too much. I think they like to score points no matter how it comes. And if teams are going to stack the box, they're going to throw over the top of them. If teams uh, play off, they're going to run the football. And I think this offers them more versatility, which is what they wanted going into the season. I, I would normally agree with you, but I'd like to see it more before I can make a final conclusion because you would I don't, never agree with me. You'd never admit that. I've agreed with you at like seven times on this show already. <laughs> All right, C.J. Uzama, three catches, 91 yards, a touchdown, and on three targets, something or nothing. Um, I'm not reading into that too much too yet. Um, He had a very good game, but I think the people that you can bank on in this offense are the Joe Mixons of the world, the Joe Burrows of the world, and the Jamar Chases of the world. Honestly, it's kind of reminding me of what we said about Dawson Knox like three weeks ago. He is an athletic, gifted tight end, with a good quarterback and Joe Burrow might be one of the hottest quarterbacks in football the last few weeks. Why not? I I think it might be something. T Higgins, a T Higgins sighting seven catches, 62 yards on 15 targets, something or nothing. Something that target volume is insane. I know Jamar chase ended up having uh, the over 200 yard game and he clearly had developed the chemistry, but Mind you, T. Higgins was very good last year until Joe Burrow got hurt and then was still good afterward. If they develop their chemistry again, T. Higgins is a capable wide receiver. He's just got to stay on the field and be involved in this offense. I think the clear sufferer at this point is Tyler Boyd because that Bengals offense is more dynamic than constantly checking the ball down to him. Uh, Darrell Henderson, 15 carries, 45 yards, three catches for 19 yards, something or nothing. Kind of imagine that he would have had a bigger game against the Lions, right? So that would be a little frustrating, but he was heavily involved in the offense. You can't knock 18 touches for a running back. That's pretty damn good. So, I mean, I think the volume's still going to be there, but it's the production that you're a little frustrated with, especially against the team that they played this past weekend. Yeah, pretty much. I, I also think it's nothing. Yeah, um, A.J. Brown, eight catches. 133 yards for a touchdown on nine targets, a healthy AJ Brown. You said it right there. That's why it's something it's, I don't care what the matchup was and that they were playing the chiefs. Just good to see him actually put up the stat line that you drafted him to do. Absolutely. Something. I hope it continues to be something Julio Jones, two catches, 38 yards on four targets only saw 45% of the snaps in the first half, something or nothing. Yeah, man. I do think it's something. We knew he was going to be the number two wide receiver here with a healthy A.J. Brown. We knew he was going to play also behind Derrick Henry as well, who we're going to touch on a little bit later. 
yeah, I think it is something. Julio Jones, I think, was brought in more to kind of mentor A.J. Brown and see what he had left in the tank. But the great Julio Jones that we all used to know, I feel like that's kind of over with. Uh, Derrick Henry, 68 more carries and 290 more yards to the next closest back in the league. He's ridiculous. I, I put this on here just to highlight how ridiculous those numbers are. But, yeah, I, I don't know how this is sustainable, but if anybody's going to do it, it's definitely going to be him. At this point, he has got to be a almost mortal lock to get the rushing title for the third straight year, and I don't know if anybody could stop whatever he's doing. I know he didn't get over 100 yards yesterday, but 68 more carries than the next closest guy. He's already on pace to have, like, near 400 carries again. Dude's going to have no knees left when he retires. I don't know. He's just built differently, but Ronald Jones, 10 carries, 63 yards, something or nothing. I'm, can I say both? I think it is nothing because it was a lot of garbage time against a terrible Chicago bears team. I do think it is a little bit of something because they're trying to see what Ronald Jones is. They really want Ronald Jones to be successful and they're trying to, they're really giving him every chance they can, but he keeps fumbling it away in more ways than one. I do think this earns him a little more trust back, but I'm not reading too much into it because it was against the Bears in garbage time. Yeah, I completely agree, even though I apparently never agree with you. Oh, fuck up. Antonio Gibson, 14 carries for 51 yards, two catches for five yards. Something or nothing. I'd love to have said nothing the first like three times this happened this season, but it's now become a cacophonous something because clearly this Washington offense is Terry McLaurin, whoever is at tight end. And then you might get some other points sprinkled in. Like we've gotten enough out of Taylor Heineke with his legs. Um, But at this point, I just don't see Antonio Gibson living up to the billing of everybody thinking he was going to be the breakout star this year. Finally, Zach Ertz, three catches, 66 yards and a touchdown on five targets in the new Cardinals offense, something or nothing. Man, I don't know. I kind of want to say both on this one, too, because first and foremost, he's been in the offense for, what, a week and a half, maybe he's had the playbook. So to be able to put up that kind of stats with that limited amount of time, that's pretty impressive. I think that is something. But I'm going to say nothing because there also are so many mouths to feed in, the, in that offense. So I, I, I hate to keep saying roller coaster of a ride, but I think that that's what Zach Ertz is going to be. We know the talent is there. I really don't understand why the Eagles went from Goddard to Ertz or from Ertz to Goddard, like so heavy, but they did. But I do think that Ertz has got a little bit left in the tank. And I think the Cardinals are going to make some pretty big weekends out of him. I think he's talented enough that it's something. And it's something also from the standpoint that they're really going to spread the ball around. And this is one more guy to take away catches from any predominance that the Cardinals might have. I think this makes the waters even murkier trying to predict who's going to be the guy that's catching stuff week in and week out. All right. Top pickups of of the week guys owned under 50% that should be owned more than 50%. Kadarius Tony. Why? I mean, he's only put up stats every time he's been on the field. I know he's been hurt, but and last week was by Mageddon slash bye bye bye, whatever you want to call it. But too talented. He should be picked up more. Michael Gallup, we mentioned earlier in the show. This is a guy that's coming back off of injury that has the talent there. I don't know what it's going to happen in Dallas, but you at least make him a speculative pick. I'm not plugging him in right away, but you need to at least pick up talented players and hope that the upside uh, swings in that direction. Tim Patrick is on this list every single fucking week. I don't know why people just don't think that he's going to get about eight to 10 points every single week, but he's at least flex consideration worthy. T.Y. Hilton, speculative ad and stash. Again, we don't know what his health is going to be. He didn't play yesterday, but this is a guy, at least in the, the few snaps that he played two weeks ago, was getting targets and was predominant in the passing game and took away enough work from Michael Pittman that it made a difference to his week that week. I still think that he might be worth a speculative ad. Rashad Bateman, we've been saying it on the show. 
should be added more. Again, high upside on your bench, especially if you're a team that's been doing well this year. You need guys with high upside that could hit later down. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell is probably the back of the weekend with uh, both uh, Miles Sanders being out and um, now being the next guy up. And then finally, another guy I've said, speculative ad. I think this is a guy that probably gets moved before the deadline due to the trade request he already submitted, but Marlon Mack. I I think he's at least worth a stash to see what happens by the end of next week. Uh, Top drop candidates, guys, over 50% owned, but shouldn't be. Sam Darnold, welcome to Dumpsville. Naeem Hines. Let's uh, talk about Sam Darnold for a quick second, though. All right. Um, You know, we ask about, or I ask, you know, earlier in the year, is Sam Darnold good? Man, did he really kind of fallen off of a cliff? after these first couple of weeks. So that's a little frustrating to see. You kind of thought the changes of scenery out of New York would be the thing to do it, but he's had a pretty awful couple or a couple of weeks. When you're not playing the jets and the Texans, uh, it looks predominantly worse. I think everybody looks better. I look better throwing the football <coughs> against the jets and the Texans. So I, I, I don't know if there's a whole lot to read into that. Missing Christian McCaffrey and what he does for your offense is uh, clear. And I think that if now more than ever, Christian McCaffrey would be a potential MVP candidate for how badly the uh, Panthers look after they looked so good the first three weeks. Uh, Naeem Hines, welcome to Dumpsville. Guy cannot run the football effectively. He's not even catching the passes predominantly out of the backfield. Even that's going to Jonathan Taylor, who may at this point be outside of Derrick Henry, the number two back in fantasy right now, and the number one back dynasty-wise. Robbie Anderson, we've been on Dumpsville for him for a while now, but yeah, dude's got to go, especially with that Panthers offense being as terrible as it is. I'd love to see him bounce back, but I just don't see it. Nicole Hardman. It's been a guy we've been waiting on to hit for a long time. I think he's been in this category a couple of times this season already. I just do not see him moving forward with any type of uh, star power for that Chiefs offense, especially with how badly they played over the weekend. And finally, a guy, just because I wanted to have five on the list, but Kenny Galladay, too hurt too often, and reliability has to be something at some point. I just don't know when he's ever going to be on the field, and I like reliability from my guys. So, any last thoughts for the week? No, I'm glad uh, Bye 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 is over with. This was a terrible week, and um, glad to move forward. Absolutely. Thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We appreciate you. We will be back again later this week. But until then. Until then, um, hopefully we never have another week with this many buys ever again. I think it's going to be built in every year now, unfortunately. <laughs> That's crazy. Maybe not six. Maybe one of those. The fantasy. Weekly, yeah. Like so many fantasy relevant players. Exactly. Maybe next year, like two of the teams have to be the designated like Lions. The and Jets Texas. and the, the Jets. Jaguars or something. Well, the Jaguars were on this one. Uh, well, yeah. Well, they can stay on it. It's fine. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show on whichever podcast platform you use so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.